Welcome, everyone, to another edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Rudy Arman, and I'm with my two co-hosts, the usual guys. Uh, of course, the producer in uh, the port city of Mobile. He does a great job with his analytics and numbers and giving us his takes on Alabama Crimson Tide football. That's Thomas the Wizard Watson, of course, in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, William Redfish Barger, a guy from that was from 89 to 93, a key member of the Alabama Crimson Tide and a 1992 national champion and someone uh, that always keeps his ear to the ground when it comes to Alabama football. And I know uh, we, we've, uh, we know we're in this new uh, uh, era of NIL. And uh, we, uh, here in, my, uh, in the Rocket City of Huntsville, where I'm based, we had our uh, first event, a, a, uh, a autograph signing with uh, ended up being six, was, was supposed to be seven current University of Alabama football players. And William and I were joking before the show started. Uh, he was saying, man, he just would have loved to have had a free steak at Logan's every Thursday night. And uh, we're in a new era now of football, though. And these young men are able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. And certainly some did that this weekend here in the Rocket City. And while Alabama was on a bye, they practiced from Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, worked on their next three opponents, from what I understand. And and of course, tried to clean up some things that they've had, some issues on offense and defense, and probably uh, just shore up the kicking game as well. So Alabama is going to be hosting LSU, and now we know what time. It's going to be another night game for the Crimson Tide, a 6 o'clock kickoff on the ESPN family of networks for the University of Alabama and the LSU Tigers. And it will be the first trip to Tuscaloosa since LSU won two years ago in one of the games of the century and went on to win uh, a national championship for Coach Ed Ogeron. But how quickly things can change. LSU, I think I saw the last number, a 29-point underdog as they come in to play the University of Alabama in the swan song for Ed Ogeron as he will be replaced at season's end. So this is going to be interesting. This game has meant so much to the SEC Western Division over the years. Now LSU trying to play spoiler. Alabama knowing that they have no margin for error if they want to reach Atlanta. And then the uh, college football playoff. Georgia now with the uh, the developments over the weekend after the 34-7 beatdown in the cocktail party against Florida. And then Kentucky choking against Mississippi State. And quite imperatively, they did. It just shows you how the difference between the, the Western and the Eastern divisions right now is Mississippi State throttled Kentucky. I believe the final score was 31 to 17. That now uh, Georgia has already clinched the SEC East and are just going to await. And really, the three teams left in this race are Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Auburn with a resounding win against Ole Miss uh, at home this past Saturday to knock the Rebels out. And now Auburn will travel to College Station to take on the Aggies. But uh, I'm going to welcome William Redfish Barger into the conversation. William, some interesting developments coming out of the SEC this past Saturday. I, I just, you know, you were able to watch it without wondering, you know, or, or anticipating Alabama playing until next week. But we've now seen Auburn knock off Ole Miss. No one should be completely shocked by that with, with it being at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Now they have to travel to Texas A&M and A&M battling still for this SEC West. So a lot to still be decided, at least in the Western Division. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Jordan Hare, you know, and it's well-known voodoo had anything to do with it. I think it had a lot more to do with, you know, it being a, a crippled old Miss team that walked in there. And uh, there again, I'd love to know the pharmaceutical exchange that's going on when somebody looks like they leave the field with a broken ankle and Matt Corral and, uh, you know, has to be taken off the field in a golf cart. And then he comes back out and he doesn't have a limp. I mean, I, you know, we saw this kind of the, the first time this season with uh, the Texas A&M quarterback when Alabama played him. But I, I mean, I, you know, hats off to the miracle of modern medicine, I guess, but I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, I thought Florida, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you used to laud uh, deer antler spray. Could deer antler spray do that? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> there you go. 
But, you know, I thought Florida, you know, at least for a quarter and a half, you know, gave gave Georgia a good football game. And then old AR-15 started misfiring and, you know, things got ugly in a hurry. But, um, you know, it was a, a, an interesting day of football. Got to see a lot of it. Watched a, the, the Michigan-Michigan State game. And uh, certainly it looks like Mel Tucker's going to have uh, – um, a lot of checks and a lot of zeros put before him this winter and um, got to see a little bit of Penn State and Ohio State so you know it was a yesterday was a really good you know day for football especially when you don't have to worry about you know changing the channel at commercials of the Alabama game well and William you you have close ties family for me but uh, as far as family goes to the Michigan program I know they recruited you out of John Carroll High School this was another black eye, though, for Jim Harbaugh. I think they led 30-14 to 14 in this game, and they end up losing it 37-33. to 33. How high is his seat in your mind? You know, Drew, I, I wish I could tell you that it was hot because, uh, you know, at least with the, you know, the family members that I give the business to about it. I mean, I said the same thing uh, this morning, you know, when I was talking to my uncle. I said, you know, y- y'all keep giving this guy all this money. And he's got a losing record against his two biggest rivals in Michigan State and Ohio State. And uh, I can remember when they ran Bill Curry out of the building because he had gone, went 0-3, 0-4 to Auburn. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't matter. You know, it, it's just different up there, Drew. I mean, everything is more professional, sports-oriented. Um, I mean, that, that rivalry, you know, the, the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry and the Ohio, uh, Michigan State-Michigan State rivalry, you know, it gets pretty, you know, hot the week of the game, but it's it's just not like the way things are down here with the Southeastern Conference, not even close. Well, and, you know, I've heard, you know, from someone that I trust over in the Michigan area, Rico Beard, he has stated he doesn't think Mel Tucker would leave Michigan State even to go to LSU, but you just talked about the zeros. You know, the more games that Michigan State wins, the, the higher the, uh, you know, the profile for Mel Tucker He's done a remarkable job. Forty over forty percent of that roster, and Rico Beard told us this, has been changed via the transfer portal. William, uh, just a remarkable job by Mel Tucker. Uh, a couple of influential boosters seem to favor him at LSU. Uh, there's been thought of trying to hire their first, you know, a minority head football coach. I like him. What I've seen of him better than you know what we saw out of James Franklin. They lose to Ohio State on Saturday night. Uh, in a tough battle over in the shoe. But if you're Mel Tucker, do you go to LSU? Well, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the only offer. I, I think when it's all said and done, especially if his season keeps going the way that he that it is, I wouldn't be surprised to see him rise up the, the hot list at Southern Cal. Now, right as it stands right now, the two jobs that we know that are open, those are the only two that I think could possibly lure Mel Tucker away from, from Lansing. I mean, Lansing is a, um, you know, I think it gets a lot of negative, um, you know, feedback because I think some people get screwed up with their geography in Michigan. Lansing is actually a very nice area. Actually, Ann Arbor is, is much, much closer to the hellhole of the center of the world in Detroit, Michigan. Um, than Lansing is. It's, it's, I think, usually in the top 20 places to live in the United States. So, um, but, but I do. I mean, I think it'll take a lot of money to get him out there. He's got his program going in the right direction. You know, got two, you know, former SEC players on his defense, the linebacker, Quindarius Couch. And, uh, you know, I think for maybe two months or whatever it was, the former Alabama defensive back and Ronald Williams or whatever his name was. I mean, both of those guys are starters for him. You know, they're a good-looking football team. But, you know, there again, uh, you know, we, we, we saw Michigan State um, under D'Antonio look like a really good football team until they got into the college football playoffs one time, too. Yeah, and, and, that, that, and that, that's a perfect segue. The first playoff rankings will be out on Tuesday. Someone asked me for my top, you know, four today, and uh, I had to think about it. And I, I put Georgia, of course, with what they've done. They've got to be number one. I still put Alabama number two. I put Oklahoma number three, even though I, I'm still not sure. I don't think they're one of the top four, but I think they're going to get credit for being undefeated in the Big 12. And then by the, by just a hair, I put 
you know, a team like Cincinnati ahead of Michigan State. I know Michigan State's going to be rocketing up the charts, though. Where do you where do you think uh, Alabama will land in the college football playoff rankings? And I'll, I'll get Thomas's thoughts on that. But I still think when you look at Alabama's resume, their only loss being at A and M, that you could make a case for Alabama being the number two team in the country, even with a loss, because Oklahoma has been extremely up and down and had several near misses. And then Cincinnati with their schedule, they do have a win over top ten Notre Dame, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't have a problem with them being number two. I do I do think you're probably going to see some some pushback on having two southeastern conference teams, one of them not being undefeated, you know, ranked one and two. Um, you know, and, and you touched on something else in a, a minute ago. You know, um, it, it seems like uh, um, you know Lincoln Riley is is such a hot commodity. You know, what's up with the LSU and the USC job? And I'm, I'm just scratching my head. Why in the hell would anybody want that guy? He, he's done nothing to elevate Oklahoma football since since he took over for Bob Stoops. I mean, yeah, the guy's a great developer of quarterbacks. He's a good offensive coordinator. But I mean, I, I got news, I and mean, he may want to get the hell out of there if he gets one of these offers. Well, if he goes to LSU, he won't be getting out of there. But. Um, you know, I'm, I'm scared for him once they start playing a, you know, an SEC schedule. I mean, he loses to the likes of Kansas and, you know, I know Iowa State's now a, a better program than they used to be. But, you know, that guy can't go undefeated through the shitty Big 12 on an annual basis. What's he going to do when he gets into the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sold on OU at all. I, I don't think they'll navigate it through. I mean, I, I do think that. You know, they were very fortunate to escape uh, Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. Texas is having a very mediocre year. I mean, they lost to Baylor. Dave Aranda's got that program, you know, ascending. Not surprised. Dave Aranda doing a great job over there after leaving LSU. Yeah, he may may not be there very long either. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm surprised his name hasn't come up with LSU more, but uh, considering the defensive success he had there, but I guess we'll see going forward. But Thomas, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. Your thoughts on Alabama and where they may rank after you watched some college football yesterday. So uh, I want to preface this by saying um, I hate the committee system. Bring (laughs) back the BCS because you have people that sit on that committee that if they weren't good at football would be god-awful PE teachers and uh, they don't understand this thing called logic. And, and it's never consistent, and it drives me crazy. And essentially, the system is predicated on people not remembering week to week their decision-making because they don't have to justify it. They just have to trot out some yuts who will say some mealy-mouthed foolishness to Reese Davis, and it will make no sense, and onward the world keeps spinning. Having said that, uh, I think the top four, George, is an obvious one. I think that because of Alabama's loss, they're probably on the outside looking in at this point. I expect that I would think I would personally put Alabama five. Like if it's because it's it, because we're supposed to look backwards, we're not looking forward. Uh, if Alabama is able to go through to the SEC championship, I would expect them to move into the top four. Uh, for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is I would probably put Oklahoma at two because undefeated has to matter at this point. I don't think Oklahoma will make it undefeated. They've had too many close calls, even with Caleb Williams. Uh, I think you put Cincinnati at three, maybe four in there, and then it's a barroom brawl. I think – I think three of them will be the Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Georgia, Georgia one, and then four is going to be a toss-up between do you value Ohio State with one loss over Alabama with one loss, and or do you give Michigan State, who just had a big win, do you push them to four, and you have Ohio State and Alabama at five and six? That's really going to be the only question mark to me, but – Cincinnati has a real serious problem right now, and we've seen this 
in previous years. I, I honestly expect Cincinnati when we're when, when to come out with the start of the top four. But SMU just lost this weekend, and Cincinnati hasn't looked great in terms of style points. And, and no matter what people want to say about style points not mattering, that is BS. You, this is the problem with having people on the committee. If you are sexy, you are going to get more attention. If you don't like it, bring back the BCS computers. But anyway, Cincinnati, on top of that, SMU, their one remaining ranked team on the schedule, just lost in a great game to Houston this past weekend. So while Alabama and Ohio State are going to be picking up good wins, you know, Ohio State should beat Michigan, and Michigan should still be ranked unless they completely implode. The, Alabama has Auburn, a good, not great Arkansas team, and that's going into the SEC championship, which, you know, we'll know before we record BAMs for that one. But I think that Cincinnati has a serious problem because as their schedule, as everyone else's schedule is going to go into overdrive through rivalries and later, later season top 10 matchups, Cincinnati is going to be tailing off. And that, that's really going to hose them. Now, does chaos happen around them? Does something like an Oklahoma finally, after really stinking up the joint for the vast majority of the season, do they finally lose one? Do they potentially lose two? I haven't looked at Oklahoma's schedule, and I don't particularly care. But that's a possibility. But anyway, Drew, to, to, to firm up, give me Georgia 1, Oklahoma 2, Cincinnati 3, and uh, – Michigan State four with Ohio State and Alabama brawling over five. I think it'll be Alabama, Ohio State. But, you know, same with the with the notable exception of Clemson, which you want to talk about a bad beat if you're in the betting business yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, frankly, second verse, same as the first, but a whole lot louder and a little bit worse in terms of playoffs as, as November rolls on, Drew. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to William, and I watched some of that game yesterday with Florida State and Clemson, and all I could, you know, do, I think Thomas may have seen my uh, uh, my take in our group message that we're a part of, but it's, uh, I just said, my, how far has Clemson fallen, because they were extremely fortunate to win that game over Florida State. I think they won it 24-20. to 20. Uh, DJ Uyunglele continues to, unimpressed their running game is non-existent defensively Brent Venables they're still pretty good over there on that side of the ball but uh you know their special teams was an unmitigated disaster their kicker was one for four William that's a very mediocre looking Clemson team right now well obviously you turned the damn game off before you saw all the betters of the world oh yeah the 30 to 20 thing that's right yeah (laughs) I forgot about I that. Mean, I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Yeah, yeah that 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 went along with uh, the other suicide victims that uh, gave the points and took Iowa at Wisconsin yesterday. There, that yesterday Ooh. was uh, not not a real good day for the betting world, at least, unless you were a bookie or Las Vegas. But um, but no, going going back to where you were going with that on Clemson, Drew. No, it's. Uh, and, and you know, there again, I mean, I if I was a Clemson fan, and and I mean, you, you'd have thought they would have come back and you know beaten Ohio State or Alabama the way they were you know celebrating at the you know, at the end of the game yesterday, and I was just like, kid, I'd have I'd have walked out of that thing and slung my damn plastic cup in the bushes on my way to the parking lot if I'd have been there if I was a Clemson fan. It was, I mean, it was brutal to watch. They just don't have any direction or um identity on offense you know the the defense has been giving up you know um you know points that they used to i mean the whole the program as a whole has uh you know taken a big big step backwards um and you know the only way they're gonna you know dig their way out of this hole that they've created is to recruit their way out of it and that's a you know a very tough thing to do um, you know, these days with all the competition, especially with, you know, some teams in the ACC. I mean, Mac Brown um, and, and North Carolina is starting to take kids from Clemson that they used to get. So, 
Um, you know, there's it's a different landscape than it was four or five years ago for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Now, do you think – I know there's been reports leaking out. I don't buy the fact – and they, they say that he there's been mutual interest, but you don't know how much. Do you believe that Dabo would consider going to LSU? Absolutely not. Okay. I mean, you know him well, and no. you know a lot of people that work for him. No. He's, he's not leaving that guaranteed $95 million to – you know, wander off into a, you know, he's already changed the culture at Clemson. I mean, he may have to, you know, work his back up to, you know, where he was, you know, a couple of years ago um, and, and figure out how to do it without a generational QB. Um, but no, he, why, why would you leave somewhere? You, you know, you're, that's all your family knows other than your wife, Kathleen, his kids were raised there. They all went to Clemson. Um, you know, you've got a lot of family members on that coaching staff, a lot of friends. Um, yeah, I, I would just be absolutely shocked to see it. I just don't think it's a, a reasonable assumption at this point. I mean, you're talking about a, you know, a, a program in LSU that's got a broken culture and, you know, everything would have to be, you know, fixed and, and put back together down there. I mean, I, you know, there again, I mean, I get it. They've got a contract that says that they have to do it, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen, um, you know, first degree robbery take place to the point that, that Ed Otron's getting away with down there at LSU. I mean, you're getting $17 million, you know, as a golden parachute to, you know, to, for, for basically saying thanks. Um, you know, you gave us one halfway decent season and you're leaving us in shambles down here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand. I, I, I don't think that Dabo would leave either. I mean, he's got, he, he, I know he's this year has not gone well, but he's won two national championships. I mean, good heavens. Uh, you know, he's, they had not won one since 1981 under Danny Ford. Uh, so, I mean, what he's done with that program has been remarkable. I, He's a, he's still a king there. I don't think that they're going to jump off the ship because they have, you know, had an off season. Certainly, it'll be interesting to see if he tweaks his coaching staff. But uh, he's certainly got a lot of equity there at Clemson, no question about that. Uh, but uh, but now I, I go back to you, Thomas. Uh, we saw the Auburn Tigers knock off Ole Miss. I thought it was a a truly horrific coaching job by Lane Kiffin. Worse than the, the ball game against Alabama. Once again, his fourth down gambles backfired on him. He skewed points where he could have put two or three field goals on the board and had a chance late uh, to win that game. And uh, William brought it up, but, you know, the, the remarkable recovery, I'm like everyone else. I thought, uh, you know, Matt Corral had a high ankle sprain and he was going to uh, be done for the game and or even maybe even a fracture. You know, you never were. You weren't sure. To have him recover like he did was astonishing. And, I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit for the toughness that he showed. Uh, but right now, interesting uh, where Auburn lies. This A&M-Auburn game is going to be huge with uh, implications in the SEC West because if A&M wins the game, then they have tiebreakers over Alabama and Auburn, and there would still be a lot on the line when Alabama went to Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, in a few weeks, of course, they have to navigate uh, Arkansas and LSU. Uh, but your thoughts on what you saw out of the Auburn Tigers and, and where we kind of stand here in this SEC West race? So I think that what Lane Kiffin did in terms of how he chose to sort of well, to read the room was completely inexcusable to me. I get that the analytics say certain things. Now, I would be interested to examine these analytics, but you know, let's let's take that put take it on the, take that put it in a box, put it on the shelf. The problem is that I thought a lot of Lane Kiffin's decision making against Alabama was fairly defensible because Alabama's offense was going to score points or put the Alabama football team in the position to score points in a lot of cases. Say what you will about Alabama as a football team in 2021. They've been pretty consistent at at least building scenarios where 
Alabama can attempt a field goal or score a touchdown on a lot of possessions. I don't think Auburn was in that same has, – has, this season has been in that same zip code in terms of offensive consistency. They're not really built for that as a football team. So it was going to be a nip-and-tuck game. And to keep not going for field goals was just like, dude, your hubris is 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 legendary. <laughs> and you paid for it. I, I, you know, simply put, you paid for it. Because – now, now uh, William, you can answer this better than I can, but how different does a football game feel when you're down inside of one possession, whether it's eight points or five points versus 11? Because – I think it, that has a huge effect, and Lane Kiffin just completely blowing that decision making does not hold him in good stead. But let me stop, William. As a football player, how much does an eleven point deficit versus a five point deficit matter to the people on the sideline? Um. I don't really. I mean, any, I think anything over a touchdown and maybe a two-point conversion, um, there, there's obviously a little bit more sense of urgency there, and and probably a premium, you know, placed on getting points and getting them quickly, especially with, um, you know, the the amount of time that was left in that ball. You know, if, you, if you're down ten at halftime, there, there's a big difference in that versus being down, you know, nine to ten points going into the fourth quarter. The, the 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 part where you know Lane lost me was, um, and I totally agree with Thomas's take on how he handled it versus Alabama versus how he handled it yesterday. You know he, he had a healthy ball club when he came to Tuscaloosa, and you know had all of his weapons I think except for one wide receiver. But you know that was a beat up football team yesterday. They were down a couple wide receivers. They were missing a starting offensive guard. So, you know, and, and it's obvious he doesn't trust, you know, D.J. Durkin in that defense. But if he was ever going to, I, I think last night was the time to at least attempt to try and do it. And and like you said, play more conservative and, and not go for it on fourth down and, and take some field goal shots. Um, you know, and I think, you know, had he done that, maybe the, they would have had a chance to do something there towards the end of the game. But, yeah, that was some real, real questionable um, decisions that he made last night based on, you know, the cards that he had to play. I think that's fair. But n now let me jump back to Dr to your question, Drew. I just wanted to get a football player's perspective because I didn't play D1 football. Uh, I might play D1 computers, but that's not really an issue here. Anyway, so the thing about that game now is, you know, Auburn, frankly, is, is shockingly consistent. But – or they've become shockingly consistent. That's a good football team that Alabama's going to play in about a month. And it's down in Jordan-Hare, and that is it, – it, it is <laughs> – it has caused nightmares for Alabama fans a time or two. But I really the, – the thing about Auburn that is so interesting to me is what happens when you stop Auburn's running game? They had, I believe, eight drops against Georgia, and they really – Georgia was able to clamp down on them pretty well in that game earlier this year. I think, Drew, a lot of it is going to come down to Alabama's run defense, similar to what I think this week. You know, now LSU is a god-awful rushing team, but anytime you can make a football team one-dimensional – that really indicates some serious struggle for that team to move the ball effectively. And if it gets into a game, and again, Auburn and Auburn and LSU, Auburn and Ole Miss are going to face very similar problems when they play Alabama. You're not going to hold Alabama under 35. At least I don't think that's realistic. And uh, barring, you know, a huge number of turnovers, but when you're talking about these games, you're not literally going to bank on a statistically unlikely thing happening when you're talking about kind of the cross-section of expected results. But the thing to me about what we saw against Auburn and Ole Miss is 
Auburn is staying relatively healthy as far as I can tell. Uh, I think Auburn's right tackle will want absolutely no part of Will Anderson and Drew Sanders because he did not look very good getting out on that edge yes, last night. But can Alabama go in and win? Absolutely. Should Alabama fans be jumping off the ledge that Auburn's going to go beat Alabama? Oh, hush. Alabama's a good football team. They're not as good as last year, but they can absolutely go in to Jordan-Hare Stadium and get a win. Um, but, again, there's, there's other games to be played before that, and you know, we can have this conversation right now, but if the unthinkable happens and Will Anderson is lost for the year, good luck. Or Bryce Young is lost for the year. Um, I, I'll just put it out there. If either of those two players do not play for Alabama, I'm going to have a hard time picking Alabama against even Auburn, and I absolutely will not take them against Georgia. I mean, that's how big those two players are for the 2021 Alabama football team. But, you know, as is, Alabama has ways to do some serious do damage to the Auburn Tigers, and that's all you can ask for with the game looming in about a month, Drew. Yeah, and then speaking of a game looming, Alabama LSU doesn't mean as much to, with LSU struggles this year uh, with the swan song under Coach O. Now Alabama was super motivated last year to avenge the loss inside Bryant Denny Stadium. They go on the road where they can pay property taxes and win another one impressively in Red Stick. Now the question will be, how motivated will this team be to avenge the, the home loss two years ago? A lot of those guys are now in the National Football League. This is a kind of a different team, a younger team. But uh, it's still a matchup where Alabama is favored, as we said, by 29, unheard of, against the Bayou Bengals, who still have some talent, but really are lacking a lot on offense and defense. William and, you know, they, they still are pretty solid in the, in the special teams aspect. But I think Alabama is still much better in all three phases. It looks like a, 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 a historic mismatch, maybe dating back to when Alabama was near the top of the SEC in the 90s and LSU was going through maybe their worst decade in the history of their program. Uh, you know, but uh, William, how do you see this matchup, Alabama and LSU? Is it as big a mismatch as it looks like on paper? Well, I mean, I, I think first of all, I think Nick Saban can still probably get some mileage out of the, uh, you know, the famous Coach O quote, "Roll Tide, what?" Um, you know, there's there's still quite a few players that were younger players on that team when when that all went down, and you know, certainly I think Nick Saban's going to be motivated to you know pad his record, um, you know, against LSU, um, you know, who's been probably the biggest thorn in their side on an annual basis when you start talking about, you know, them and Auburn, certainly, um, to, you know, to get where they want to go on an annual basis. But, uh, you know, this is a, like I said, a football team in disarray. They do still have a lot of good football players. Now, you know, how bought in and dialed in they're going to be for this game, who knows? Um, you know, I think if Alabama does get up by 17 to 20 points early on, you can see them, you know, basically pack it in and lay down. But, um, you know, it's it, it, there again on the other side of the stick. I mean, I'm sure Coach O is going to, you know, have what he has left at least, um, you know, that, that want to get this, you know, win one for Coach O. But th this is, uh, you know, as good as LSU has been, um, I, I think they're coming into this game either one in nine or one in ten in the last, you know, the last meet, you know, the meetings going through that stretch. I don't I think Alabama, let's say, I think they've lost the, the 19 game, I think is the only game that they've lost since the original game of the century in 2011 at Bryant Denny Stadium. I have to go back and double check that, but I think I'm right. Um, but, you know, this, this yes, to me correct. is more about. Let me just jump in. This since, game since to, the game of the century. No, go ahead. I, I thought yeah. I was, but yeah, you're you know, good. I'm getting a little long in the tooth. That's okay. That's, um, that's why you have a good producer around. You know, hat tip to myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But you know, I, I I think this for Alabama. I think this game is more about you know getting getting a foothold in recruiting down there. I mean, you saw them 
you know, get the wide receiver, Aaron Anderson, out of there earlier this week. I think that's what this game is more about to Nick Saban and Alabama is, you know, getting some players out of that state. They were probably going to lose had, you know, Coach O's career and, and this season gone the way that it, that it has. And um, do I think they're going to cover the 30-point spread? I, I wouldn't bake that bet. Um, it won't surprise me if they do, but I damn sure wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, and William, you bring up a good point about Alabama could potentially take a foothold in the state of Louisiana in this particular 2022 class. Uh, certainly, they got Aaron Anderson, who many people believe is a five-star talent. He's underrated. His film st- certainly makes it seem that way from New Orleans and the Carr High School, a tradition-rich program uh, that has turned out many a pro and many a college star. Uh, Aaron Anderson, one of the better slot receivers in the class. They could also decide to take Chaz Preston of St. James High School in Louisiana, who is someone that I know Nick Saban and the staff have been evaluating closely. Also, Kendrick Law from Shreveport. So potentially they could take three wide receivers from the state of Louisiana in this class, which uh, is very interesting if you, if, if you could take a look at that. All three of these guys. Uh, LSU is heavily pursuing, uh, but his uh, Ed Ogeron's dismissal could really end up being a boon for Alabama, William. And there's other play- players like Will Campbell. I think he's an offensive tackle, uh, you know, from Neville High School, uh, the same one that produced Hootie Jones. He's been committed to LSU for a long time, but there's been word that he may visit the University of Alabama. So, uh, but those three receivers one already in the uh, in the fold in uh, Aaron Anderson, that could be a very interesting development and maybe some collateral damage for LSU making the coaching change the way they have. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think if you just look at the, the dynamics involved, um, you know, with the guys that are on Alabama staff that are recruiting that territory and, and especially with, you know, the high school kids, um, and, and, and you say what you want to about Ed Ogeron um, as a head coach. He has always been at, at every coaching stop, whether as a head coach or an assistant, he's always been a, a pretty dynamic recruiter um, in his own right. But, you know, if you look at, you know, the, 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 the program of LSU is, is in disarray. You know, Alabama's a proven commodity, and, you know, until proven otherwise, um, you know, it's, it's the best in the business. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot to be said for that with the proven track record of putting guys in the NFL and, you know, having a chance, you know, every recruiting class has won a national championship. Um, so, you know, that's still a big selling point. And, um, you know, I think, especially if Alabama can make a statement Saturday, um, that might be all it takes to push, you know, a couple more of these guys like you saw Aaron Anderson do this past week, that might put a couple more guys over the top to ink with Alabama. Yeah, it really could. And Alabama's trying to, of course, upgrade their wide receiver core. No doubt about it. But, uh, Thomas, I know you made mention, we talked r- r- about this, uh, the uh, Auburn and Ole Miss game and the results from the weekend. I'll get your thoughts on uh, the Alabama-LSU game. I've, I've got more of a 42-13 to 13 type feel for it. Uh, I tend to agree with William. I, I'm not sure that they'll cover. Uh, I think it'll be really close, depending on if the uh, spread grows anymore. Hard to believe it would be even above 29 uh, with what this game has meant to both sides. But LSU has completely struggled quite a bit. But uh, I get I get a 42 to 13 type, type vibe. Even though again, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't, you know, uh, you know, cover the spread. What is your feel for the matchup? So, to me, these this game is one that has very high, very weird variants. If you take LSU's roster and you just look at the recruiting rankings, and let's just – I realize that can cause problems, so let, let's just, just, just bear with me. If you look at the recruiting rankings, LSU has a pretty talented football team. I mean, there, there are some solid guys there. They're, they do good things. But they haven't been able to put, put it all together. Even if you give LSU that really funky Florida game 
where they ran all over Florida, their their rushing offense has been, frankly, not mediocre to bad. I don't think they're very good at all. And because of that, their passing offense has to carry the load. Now, you really like Keyshawn Boutte. I mean, he'd look great in, in crimson. Cough, cough, wink, wink. But I think Alabama's going to be able to make LSU one-dimensional. I don't think LSU is going to be able to very effectively run the ball. And if you get you get LSU in third and longs where Will Anderson and Drew Sanders – and Phil Mathis are able to just pin their ears back. That's a that's a formula to get you know Max Johnson hurt. I mean that's that's brutal. When I break this game down, I, I think Alabama is just is going to be able to pull away and name their score. Uh, as a completely irrational Alabama fan that remembers the nonsense of Ed Orgeron a couple of years ago, uh, I hope Nick Saban burns the boats and locks the gates. I do not think he will do that, but Alabama is going to win this one comfortably. You know, I've got, I think it, at 29, it's the score is something like 49 to 14, somewhere in that range, or 49 17. I could absolutely – or 49-20, I think. I, I don't know. The over-under has shifted a little too. But, you know, a 49-17, 49-20 feels about right to me. LSU, they're talented, but they've never put it all together. I think a lot of those guys are just sort of playing out the last little bit of this season. I don't think they're going to be able to, air quote, circle the wagons against Alabama. And – and you look at what LSU has done, they were decent early against Ole Miss. Ole Miss pulled away. They were great against Florida, but Florida threw four interceptions. You'll be, you will score a lot of points if you get four picks. That's just going to be part of it. We, we kind of saw that uh, yesterday against uh, when Florida had the game, had the game, had the game, and in two minutes they did not have the game based on turnovers. And it's just going to be one of those games where I don't think LSU – this is not a great LSU team. They're not consistent enough to challenge the college football elite. And as we talked about in the top four, at worst, Alabama is going to be five. At worst, right now, they're the fifth best team in the country. And that is, that is something that I think you would get a lot of fight over from a variety of people. So LSU doesn't have it. Alabama is going to pull away and – there just isn't anything statistically that makes you jump out and say, "Oh my gosh, you're just you're just awesome. You're amazing." No, you're you're not. You're, you're you're mediocre to bad in most of the categories that matter. You've never been able to consistently run the ball. If you get one dimensional against an elite football team, that elite football team will generally beat your ass. And onward we go. Uh, hope expecting a big win, and. You know, we talked about this last week. Bryant Denny was rocking against Tennessee. I think it'll be rocking again, and that's really exciting for this program because since Alabama puked all over themselves in College Station, every little thing suddenly matters for this football team, Drew. Yeah, it really does. There's no margin for error, no doubt about that. I do think, I, we, you know, we're on the same page about Alabama being impressive in this game, and it comes down to core leadership, and I do think that, some guys are starting to emerge. I, I think it should be a one-sided outcome with the, the, the trouble on, along the offensive and defensive lines. And, William, I know that's what you watch for. Uh, LSU, to me, is as weak as I've ever seen them on both lines of scrimmage. Alabama should be healed up following the bye. Uh, they should have Drew Sanders back, hopefully, at Sam Linebacker, which should be big for the defense. Uh, the, uh, the only thing you worry about a little bit is some rust, but – I would take the uh, the rust and the rest to get a little healthier. Uh, your thoughts on is this? Do you? I know you've already mentioned you didn't think Alabama would probably cover the twenty nine, but it still should be a comfortable win, I would think, in your mind. Well, no, I didn't say I didn't think they would cover. I just said I'd be too scared to bet on that. Ah, gotcha. Um, okay, then I, I can certainly. Yeah. No, I, I can certainly see some scenarios, especially if LSU starts you know, slinging interceptions or they turn the ball over. 
Um, and, you know, they're, they're god-awful along the offensive line. And I think that is probably, if, if you wanted to take the off-the-field matters out of the equation, that in itself is, is going to be why Odron loses his job, um, is because they have recruited so poorly. Not, not just poorly, but, I mean, I think two or three years ago they only signed, like, two offensive linemen in one class, three the next class. I think last year they may have loaded back up with four or five, but, you know, the damage had already been done up to that point. I mean, if you've signed five guys in two classes and, you know, two of them don't pan out, you know, you can, you can do the math in your head on that. But, um, you know, they do have some decent players on the defensive side of the football um, in their front seven. Um, albeit I don't know if those guys have, have cashed it in for the season or not. I know Alabama, you know, really wanted Mason Smith last year. Um, you know, he's played a lot as a true freshman for them. Um, but, you know, I, I think Alabama's going to win this game comfortably. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to, you know, does Nick Saban want to boat race them and run the score up? Or, you know, once he gets a comfortable lead, especially with it being at home, you know, is this the first game all season um, that, that's, that's got some, you know, comparable competition where he actually gets to back up some meaningful reps? You know, I think it's, we're, we're usually around, you know, two and a half, less than two and a half or three minutes when that crew's, you know, been coming here, you know, coming in here lately. So and I think it's going to come down to how Nick Saban wants to play it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to do that. And of course, the the first uh, priority is to put the game away, play well, play clean, uh, and uh, get another a big win over LSU, the second straight since that loss uh, in 2019. And, uh, I, you know, but I do think that uh, there will also be a lot of eyes on College Station to see how Auburn and Bo Nix, who's played better football lately, how they fare against A&M. I've already made a little bit of a prediction on that one. I like 27 to 20. Uh, for uh, for Alabama to uh, to uh, to have a a, a a a a edge over Auburn as far as in the standings after next week by a game because I think I I just don't see Auburn going to College Station to win. I know they have in the past, but I think you know I I'm I'm putting some faith in Jimbo that his squad has kind of turned the corner a little bit, and I think uh, that uh, that. Texas A&M will win a close one, 27-20, to 20, and that will put Alabama in the driver's seat. Now, they will still have to beat Auburn should Auburn navigate the rest of the way. But what it will give A&M is A&M will have the tiebreaker over Alabama and Auburn, and they will be rooting for Auburn to beat Alabama to send them to Atlanta. But basically, uh, the, the Alabama will control their own destiny. Uh, if they win, they're in, and then A&M would need help. But I've got A&M subduing Auburn. I, you know, I, I, I'm impressed with what Brian Harson's done with their squad, William, but I'm still not convinced that Auburn is elite enough on both lines of scrimmage to ultimately reach Atlanta. No, they're not. And, and you know, Thomas brought up a good point, something I am going to disagree with Thomas about. Um, and you're not going to find a bigger Will Anderson fan than me, but th- this this team could probably still – win the SEC West and make it to um, Atlanta without Will Anderson. There's no way in hell they could do it without Bryce Young. Um, there, there's, is there a drop-off there? Um, yeah, yeah, from a pass-rushing standpoint and a disruption standpoint, yes. But there's still some guys that I think could go in for Will Anderson and play winning football. Um, I don't think there is behind Bryce Young at quarterback. And, you know, Thomas pointed out, um, you know, Auburn's offensive tackles struggling against Ole Miss's pass rushers. If they can't block those guys, they got no chance Saturday of blocking that front seven for Texas A&M. And I do think if, if you've got a healthy Drew Sanders and a healthy Will Anderson at the end of the month in the Iron Bowl, that, that could be the deciding factor in that game as well. And I'm like you, Drew. I think Texas A&M beats Auburn in a close one Saturday. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it'll be a good game, but I think uh, they're going to win a close one. And Thomas, I know we've basically all given our thoughts on Alabama and LSU. We expect Alabama to win impressively uh, in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Of course, as we said, 
will be a six o'clock kickoff for the Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, inside Bryant Denny, another another night game, which I think the fans will enjoy. Certainly, I think everyone was was uh, afraid of the dreaded 11 a.m. kickoff. Georgia's getting a bunch of those, but of course, uh, they're also taking on you know Missouri, who they should throttle. Uh, and I think that's uh, one of the big reasons they are. That game will will be on ESPN, by the way. Alabama, LSU, LSU four and four. Alabama seven and one. Uh, but Thomas, uh, I, I, before we go, and I give a little bit of a basketball uh, preview because I think Alabama's about to have a historic week in basketball recruiting. Uh, what are your thoughts on initially thinking about that matchup with Auburn and uh, Texas A&M? So it's not a good matchup for Auburn. Uh, William already said it. The, the, the A&M, A&M's defense – is really great along particularly the front four. I mean, they, they, they are going to put a lot of stress on, on Auburn to be able to consistently run the ball. And I think Auburn's defense is good, but, you know, it's going to be a 2-30 game. You know, th- it, you know, think about the context of what this game is going to be. If A&M wins, they're, just pre- they're, they're Auburn fans. From moving forward because of the A&M win over Alabama. There's a lot going into this game, so you know they're going to be revved up. I think A&M should be able to hold Auburn down. And at the end of the day to me, what A&M offensive line shows up against a pretty good Auburn defensive front? Because if the A&M offensive line that showed up against Arkansas shows up, Auburn will run A&M out of the building. But if the offensive line that showed up against Alabama rolls in, they're going to have a lot of success against the Auburn Tigers. And I think A&M is going to get this done. I think because of last year being no fans, I think now the road team is suffering a more – a harsher penalty, I should say. Just like they struggle more on the road, particularly – if you've got a younger team, you would think with some of the pieces that Auburn has that have been around for a long time, they might not struggle as much with that. But at the end of the day, I, I simply don't know. I think the, the road environment, you know, t- uh, College Station is a hostile place. I think that's going to let uh, A&M get the win, and then they're going to be the biggest uh, Auburn fans in the country when Alabama travels to Jordan-Hare. I just I don't think. Oh, and the other thing is, don't dismiss the fact that again, Auburn had to run a ton of plays against Texas A and against Ole Miss last night. One of the thing we didn't bring up is Auburn was reeling in that third quarter, if you ask me, and Lane Kiffin keeping on going forward on fourth down as the play counts kept going up was just just cataclysmic and anti-analytic mistake that they made. But anyway, Drew, give me the Aggies in a close one. Uh, if we roll up uh, this upcoming, you know, on next Sunday, and it's an Auburn win, I would not be shocked. I think that's going to be a really good game, no matter how you slice it. Neither team is explosive enough just to blow the doors off of the other. Yeah, no doubt. And here's some breaking news, too. Uh, just announced about 15 minutes ago, Gary Patterson and TCU are parting ways immediately. Uh, and it looks like they will start the search for a new football coach. Jerry Kill, one of his assistants, who uh, I believe has been the head football coach at Northern Illinois in the past, is going to Minnesota. be the interim coach. The, yeah, or Minnesota and, and, and Minnesota as well. That's right. Uh, I believe he was uh, in both places. Uh, but uh, Jerry Kill... Uh, will will take over for uh, for Gary Patterson the rest of the season. So he had had a great run after he took over for yes, that's right, Dennis Franchoni. When Dennis Franchoni went to Alabama, but Gary Patterson is now done at TCU, uh, and that just shows you the climate in coaching now. Gary Patterson they lost a little traction when they went to the Big Twelve when they finally got into a Power Five league. And so now uh, they will begin to search immediately for a new head football coach. 
the uh, and of course Jeremiah Donati is their uh, athletic director at TCU. So it will be up to him to replace Gary Patterson, who really had a great run there, uh, but just the last couple of years it's fallen off a little bit. So we will see where that goes. So that just shows you another major job opening that is now out there, and that is TCU. Uh, but Jerry Kill will now take over that program, as we said once again, in the interim. Uh, but now I wanted to talk a little bit about Alabama hoops uh, to, to uh, end this uh, episode of BAMS Radio. Tomorrow there are a couple of young men who will be deciding uh, what, you know, they're, uh, they're making their verbal commitment and then signing in November, really signing in the next few days uh, with the school of their choice. And uh, it looks like Alabama could have a historic, uh, you know, uh, week and maybe even Monday in basketball recruiting. Five-star Brandon Miller uh, from Canes Ridge, Tennessee. He's a guy that uh, whose father played for Gene Stallings at the University of Alabama. Uh, and, I, and, of course, it, was a, it may have been a t- – I think it was a little bit after William's time. I don't, I don't think they were teammates. But he was there at the university as a backup tight end. Uh, and Noah Clowney, uh, another four-star uh, from the state of South Carolina, they will both announce tomorrow. Clowney at 4 o'clock Central Time, Brandon Miller first at 1 o'clock. Uh, Brandon Miller has heavily considered the pro route, but it looks like Alabama may win out in the win- in the end. And there's a lot of buzz today about Noah Clowney. A lot, a lot of people thought it would be Indiana, but Alabama got the last visit. So there's some momentum there. So Alabama could end up with two big-time commitments tomorrow in basketball. We will continue to monitor that. And then later in the week, a couple of other young men will be uh, making their decisions, in, or really or one, one this week and one the next. Jerace Walker, five-star from IMG Academy. I'm still hearing Alabama's in very you know, strong position for him. That would give Alabama three five-stars in the class. And then four-star combo guard Rylan Griffin from Richardson, Texas. His last visit was to Alabama. He will be deciding on November the 10th, and I think he will commit to the University of Alabama. That would be a five-man class. And just to give you some sort of uh, uh, you know perspective on where this would put Alabama, should these five young men, and of course they already have Jaden Bradley committed, the top point guard in the class from IMG Academy, the University of Alabama in basketball, yes, I'm saying basketball, everybody, would end up with the number two class and potentially the number one class ahead of the Duke Blue Devils in basketball under third-year head basketball coach Nate Oates. Which, and on paper, if they get these five young men and the signatures on the uh, letter of intent, it would probably be, it would, it would be the greatest basketball class in Alabama basketball history. So some, you know, so it could be a very interesting week with, uh, as we said, with three guys making their verbal commitments and then a fourth on November the 10th. Uh, but at the Alabama basketball right now is recruiting at a level that I have never seen. Uh, it's usually been, you know, reserved for the North Carolinas, the Dukes and Kentuckys and people of that nature. But uh, Brian Hodge and Antoine Petway, uh, you know, certainly they're doing a great job of recruiting. Charlie Henry as well, and then Nate Oates, what energy he's given Alabama basketball. But this could be a historic week coming up. So we'll talk more about it on Bounds next week, and we'll have some more news. But uh, just I was just pretty, you know, was kind of setting the stage for what could be an exciting afternoon tomorrow uh, for Alabama basketball, Thomas and William. Good deal. Can they get a new arena, please? Yeah, that's next. Just to understand, that's that's definitely on the horizon. They're going to do that. And uh, uh, Nate Oates is, you know, you build it and they will come. But I, I think, and what I mean by when I say that is the program. When you start to win at the level that I think he is going to, even with a pandemic, uh, a lot of people get excited and want to take things in, in the next, in the, in the you know, and take that next step in the right, and then go to another level. And I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, with Alabama basketball. Really excited about that. Really excited about uh, Alabama uh, taking on LSU this Saturday at night at 6 o'clock on ESPN. 
and we'll have that recap next week on BAMS. But for everyone, we appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody continuing to ask us about, about the show when we're going to be coming to you next. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback, and we, we hope to continue uh, to bring you BAMS Radio each and every week. Uh, and, uh, we, and, and we couldn't do it without the support of everyone and, and the encouragement. So we appreciate everybody for continuing to support us. And uh, we will continue to bring you BAMs each and every week throughout the football season, then on into recruiting. And, of course, uh, we'll continue to cover basketball as well. But good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this look ahead to LSU and a look back at some of the games that we saw this past weekend with, you know, some big ones coming up as well with that Texas A&M-Auburn game having a lot of implications on Alabama's chances uh, to reach Atlanta. And, of course, maybe who what – what will be at stake potentially at the end of the season on the planes, but we enjoyed the conversation. Good night, everybody and roll tide.